I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it to the Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are here with a Chelsea update, joined by Stephen, who you can find on Twitter at Mr. Stephen James. Uh, a pleasure having you back on. It feels like we're going to have a thousand updates with you this summer as Chelsea continue to go through a uh, tumultuous, if not eventful, <laughs> off-season. Uh, the big thing that we missed time-wise, but definitely bears discussion, is the official appointment of Frank Lampard as the manager of Chelsea Football Club. What did you make of the appointment when it was officially announced? Yeah, well, I would say it's, it's never, like you say, it's never a boring boring moment at Chelsea, is it? Um, yeah, in, in terms of the, the announcement itself, obviously, um, it kind of, it almost felt a bit anticlimactic in some ways because of just how obvious it was that the appointment was going to be made. You know, like it felt like Derby was actually releasing the statement before even Chelsea. So, you know, the social media and the the team getting all the news together behind the scenes really kind of dropped the ball on that one, in my opinion. It just felt like we were in this void for, it seemed like 48 hours, you'll be hearing news, 48 hours, you'll be hearing news and like a week or two passed and then it finally became official. But when it did, after the initial kind of like, oh, that took a while, the excitement really started to kick in again, as it has been for kind of the last probably like month now, I guess. You know, from, from like an outsider's perspective, I can see how the appointment is obviously going to garnish criticism. But as a Chelsea fan, <laughs> there's really nothing that you really would want to see more, I guess. And this is, it's just reinvigorated the majority of the fan base, I don't want to say all of the fan base because I don't speak for everyone, but for me personally, um, growing up in the era essentially where I started to watch Chelsea essentially was where Frank Lampard was coming through. So that's, it's just a really exciting time. Yeah, it is really interesting, especially off the back of, and I'm sure people are going to get very tired of this comparison very quickly, but the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer appointment at Manchester United. Do you think Chelsea have perhaps learned anything from what's gone at United and how to handle kind of the bringing back and, and hiring of a club legend? Yeah, possibly, you know, because I think I think that, you know, I think if you're right to compare the two situations because obviously they're both club legends coming in relatively inexperienced. You could actually argue that Solskjaer has more experience than Frank Lampard, though I think that the the two situations are, are quite different. I think that Chelsea's situation was more of a, a hey, this could be the, the only possible time where this could occur. You know, we've kind of run through all the big name managers available. No one's really out there that that would be willing to come to the club at this time where we have the transfer ban. And, you know, the fans have reached that point, the boiling point essentially with the, with the Academy, it just got to a point where it was ridiculous that these kids weren't being given a chance. And, you know, the, the fans were getting sick and tired of kind of 
what supposedly are mercenaries at the club <laughs> to some people. So I think that the, they've probably they've probably learned. I, I would guess to to be patient. I think that you know we've seen the the first six months of Solskjaer was kind of maybe not the first six months. I don't think it was that long, but you know probably the first eight or nine weeks we saw like a big upkick in results for United, and we saw like an enthusiasm and a vigor and invigoration of the of the squad. And then it kind of died off at the end of the season. I think that Chelsea will be wary of that happening. Hopefully being given a full preseason will help him kind of uh, create an environment where, where there's a lot more stability in results. And um, I think that the main key to Lampard being appointed is the fact that the, the backroom staff that he has behind him. And I, and I think that they were careful, Chelsea, and they were pretty meticulous in, in helping decide who was going to be behind Lampard to hopefully propel him to to a position where he's got a lot of backup in high places people like Petr Cech to to kind of uh smooth things out between the the board of directors and the first team staff and then you've got people who have been at the club for a long time so you know we're talking about people with long-standing relationships with one another I think that can only lead to good communication at least yeah, on the pitch, what do you think we'll see from a Lampard side? Obviously, we have a small sample size with what he did at Derby last season, but any early thoughts on how he might play or which players might benefit from that style? Yeah, so I think I think that um, from the time that I, I... I think I only watched about probably about eight Derby games, so I can't profess to be the biggest Derby expert last season, but obviously with Lampard being there, I did take a, a noticeable interest in, this, in the games whenever I could. And um, from what I saw firsthand, it seemed like pretty much Lampard was pretty flexible with his with his squad. He was able to change things in game a little bit, but for the most part, they played a four three three, which essentially does suit the squad that we're playing with at the moment. That's the that's basically the formation that we were stuck in all last season. Um, with the, there were some slight key differences to the way that Lampard plays, though, in terms of stylistically, it's not as um, it's not as rigid. And like systematic, I would say there's, you know, the passes are kind of more, they've got a lot more freedom in the attacking phases, at least. Um, the entire the entire backline and squad does move as a whole and they kind of shift from side to side of the pitch um, in in kind of like unison, except when going forward, there's a lot more dynamism, I think. I think that the, the way that Frank Lampard likes to, likes to move the ball a lot faster than kind of maybe Sarri's, uh, Sarri's team was able to move the ball. And I think that the kind of players that are going to benefit from this are the kind of attacking midfielder players. I think that Loftus-Cheek, once he comes back from his injury, is really going to benefit playing under Lampard. Um, I think that Mason Mount is in a really good position right now because I think that obviously having the season with Lampard and Morris um, at Derby, coming into this side, pretty much having a full preseason with not too many people to challenge him in his role at the moment with Loftus-Cheek out. Um, I think that, and also I even think that the people like Barkley and Kovacic, you know, people that um, have those attacking attributes, I think that Barkley will need to move the ball a lot faster, but I think that potentially in the early half of the season, while there are still those key injuries, I think that he could he could get a look, look in and um, we could maybe see some goals at him. Yeah, you mentioned Kovacic there, so we may as well pivot because there's obviously been more than Lampard happening. Despite you being technically in a window with a transfer ban, uh, you're able to bring in Kovacic from Real Madrid because he's already registered with your squad, and that's really the impact of the transfer ban. Not that you can't bring somebody into your building, you just can't put them on the pitch. Um, Obviously, the fee is probably a little inflated considering what he did or did not provide Chelsea last year, but was the importance just getting another able body through the door considering you can't bring anyone else in? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, you make a good point with the essentially the pretty much the only reason this was able to cross the line, like you said, was because he was already registered, which meant that it was kind of a, a situation where, well, we it's really it's really kind of a, a situation where we had to, I think, take the option up because otherwise we could potentially be looking down the line and maybe we're a bit short short staffed in that position down if you know if there's a couple more injuries if um e- I mean, even if there was one or two more injuries in that midfield we'd be looking very slight there so i think that it was a good opportunity to get a good player who i think probably hasn't reached his ceiling yet and um yeah like we said last season you know we've probably overpaid for him i think the 40 mil you'd want a player who is kind of can offer the team a little bit more however i do s- Kovacic, when he's been at Chelsea, has mostly been played in that like eight role, and I and I think that he may actually be better suited to kind of where Jorginho played last season and um, be alternated in from there, and maybe maybe then over time um, move up the field a little bit more. But yeah, I think that his attributes are more actually suited to playing deeper in the pitch. Anyway, he moves the ball fast. He's got a great eye for a pass. He can dribble through the lines. I think that I think that he's got he's got certain skills that I'm excited to see how he develops. And he's still quite young, you know. I think that um, he's a player I'm interested to see, but obviously last season he, did, he didn't really offer too much. So, um, yeah, I'm just hoping to see a lot more from him this season. Hopefully in a more dynamic system under someone like Lampard, he can add that goal element to his game. Yeah, and it'll certainly be interesting to see if he can grow or, or if you can utilize him better. Kind of wrapping the two up, just talking about the midfield right now. If you think Kovacic is the best at the base there, but also that's where Conte is the best, although he did play uh, admirably throughout the year, kind of playing a little bit further up the pitch. And then also that's where Jorginho's meant to play. How do you imagine that midfield developing uh, on the whole and under Lampard in particular? Yeah, so I kind of see this in in like two phases, I guess. So the start of the season, I think we're probably going to start the season in, like we said, we're going to have that one holding player who I think is 100% going to be Kanteo. I pretty much can't see a situation where it wouldn't be him. And I think that I, I, for some reason, I just can't believe that they wouldn't play Kovacic having just spent $40 million on him. So I think that it would be Kovacic and then it would probably have to be probably a, a Mount or a Jorginho in the higher role because I think that that's what Lampard's been alluding to with his comments so far about the midfield because I think that he's going to play with two kind of dynamic uh, presses and I think that um, I, I think that he's going to expect kind of that from his his leading midfield line and yeah it's it is going to be quite crowded <laughs> in that midfield and by the end of the season I'm hoping to see a Kante base with Loftus-Cheek and Mount. And I think that Mount offers that kind of dynamic pressing. If you watched any of Derby last season, basically he just ran around the pitch 100 miles per hour the entire time. And he was really key to stopping um, any side breaking through the lines, especially in the in the Manchester United game at Old Trafford. So that's someone I'm excited to see there. And I think that Loftus-Cheek just has the potential to be one of the best midfielders in in the country if he really can can get a full season under his belt for once. I I the guy is practically scoring at a at a goal a game ratio when he's playing ninety minutes, which is it's ridiculous. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, and bringing up uh, Loftus-Cheek is another great point. Uh, he has been handed an extension despite the injury this summer. And similarly, it sounds like Callum Hudson-Odoi might be next in kind of that contract conveyor belt as you try to keep the players that you already have since you can't uh, bring in any more than Kovacic and Pulisic, who, of course, you signed in January. Is that encouraging? Do you, do you feel like backing up these young players financially kind of shows their importance to the side now, where perhaps in years past, young players that came through and kind of got on the edge of the first team weren't really supported? Yeah, definitely. I think that I think that the contract is um, it's more than kind of just taking the money. I think I think that it needs to be seen as um, the players actually putting faith into the club as well. I think that there's a mutual trust that didn't exist there before, you know, by bringing in someone like a Lampard and a Morris and a Joe Edwards, you know, these are guys who have worked with these, these players since they were like eight, <laughs> nine, 10 years old. Of course, they're going to have these established relationships. And I think that when they promise that they're going to get game time and they're going to be given a chance, I think that these players stand up and listen. And, you know, when we're talking about a generation that won as much as the Busby Babes at youth level, I think that we really, really need to lock these guys down to long-term contracts because otherwise we're, we're wary of what almost happened with Callum Hudson-Odoi in January. And <laughs> that would have been an absolute disaster. So I think that it's really, I'm really, really excited that uh, Loftus-Cheek has taken the first step and has signed a new contract. And um, yeah, like you say, Hudson-Odoi, I think, isn't too far away from making his official too. There's even talk... Um, a, we have another young prospect in the academy um, named Juan Castillo, who was pretty much on the verge of leaving the club and has now signed, is on the verge of now signing a new um, four-year contract, I think. So it's just it's good news all around in that department. I would expect to see people like Mountain Abraham um, and Reese James follow follow suitably in the next probably six, six to 12 months as well. I think that um, we're going to get a lot of these guys locked down to contracts. And, you know, when you think about the Chelsea youth players of the last kind of four or five years – it, the contracts have been the main point because they get to the point where the the years have run out and they sit down for new contract negotiations. And someone like a Dominic Solanke is a good example um, who essentially was saying, you can pay me all the money you want, but if I don't get game time, I'm going to leave. And essentially just came to the boiling point where the two parties just couldn't, they couldn't agree because Chelsea couldn't promise Solanke the game time. And he just said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to up and leave for the betterment of his career. And you know, whether or not you think it's worked out for him, probably not at this point. Um, you have to say that, you know, he, he was doing what he thought was best at the, at the time. And, you know, Nathan Aki's the same, you know, he, he wasn't given the reassurances and, and they left and Ola Aina has just left as well. You know, you, you can only for so long promise these guys so much and, and deny them good loans and deny them opportunities in the first team before they, they leave. So to see this commitment made by the club is, is good thing is a good thing full stuff, I think. Yeah, certainly. And it, like I said, I think it does project a promising direction 
um, for some of these young kids, as you mentioned as well. Um, kind of in that same mold, you mentioned Mount potentially getting a chance this year. It's already been reported that um, Tammy Abraham and him will both be given a legitimate opportunity to win first team minutes. I think there were a couple other names mentioned in that as well that I'm not recalling at the moment. Do you think that those players will win out those positions on the season? I know you already mentioned Mount and midfield, but you know you have Tammy Abraham, obviously Mishi Betchewai coming back from his loan at Palace, and Giroud. Um, I guess we did already talk about the midfield. So, so how do you think that forward position will work out with some of those younger players? I, I Betchewai is still probably 25 or under as well, um, kind of competing for that front spot. Yeah, yeah. When you when you mentioned Bashawai, he's, he's really interesting because you know I think he is still only twenty four, twenty five, and you know we're talking about a guy who scored over a hundred goals at club level already at that age, which is just a ridiculous number. But somehow the issue has has always been with Bashawai that he doesn't retain this tactical information. This is what all his coaches have said that you know he's a he's really talented. He's one of the most talented finishers at the club at the moment. You would have to say, but he just doesn't retain the the tactical knowledge over long periods of time and kind of when he gets to the game, kind of throws throws away the plan and goes gung-ho, <laughs> um, which I don't think kind of sits well with, with a lot of these kind of Italian tactical managers that we've had in the past. Mm. Um, in terms of the front line, I do, I do probably actually see Giroud starting the season up front, um, mostly just because I think that Lampard will lean on his experience, um, especially with kind of the, the, the type of squad that we're, that we're going to be having in, at the start of the season, which is going to lack a lot of, Dyna- dynamic kind of players. I think that to have someone like Giroud to kind of um, be at least a at least a veteran up front, and you know you may not get a lot of goals out of him, but you know what you're going to get. I think that Lampard will probably lean on him at the start, but I do expect to see Tammy get games over the course of the season and eventually make that first spot his own. I personally have a lot of faith in Tammy. Um, I, his goal scoring record is just unbelievable. I, to think that someone like a like a Rashford has made it into the first team and Tammy Abraham hasn't, when you saw them both at the same level at the same age, is is kind of really demonstrates the failure of the of the bridge from from youth team to first team at Chelsea because this guy should have already been in in the first team for for years really for probably the last two years or at least gone to clubs playing in the in the Premier League on loan. He was he was unlucky at Swansea to kind of unfortunately be there during a pretty turbulent period when but, they had literally no creators in the squad yeah and still managed to score at like a a passable level so, you know six goals for like an 18 year old isn't really anything to sniff at i would say at premier league level so yeah mm. yeah and and you know you mentioned you mentioned uh the, the kind of other players that we might expect to see in the team i think that the defense is out of everything is probably the one we're going to see the most change you know over the course of the year i i, I expect to see um Expect to see Emerson starting at left back, and probably uh, by the end of the season, I I really expect the first the first two centre backs to be Kurt Zuma and uh, Christensen. Um, I, I think that they would make such a great centre back pairing. You know, they're both young, both players who feel comfortable playing out of the back. Um, Christensen's more of kind of the 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 sweeper upper, whereas Kurt Zuma goes out and gets the ball. You know, he can make those last ditch tackles. He's so commanding in the air. One of the best players in the air I've ever seen. And, you know, he when he was first coming through at Chelsea, he had the best, the absolute best examples of leaders you could ask for. He was playing with Gary Cahill and John Terry um, week in, week out. And, you know, he was good enough back then to get into a Mourinho side that won the league. So I think that um, I really, really am excited to see Kurt Zuma back in the side. I think he was... 
very mistreated after his his unfortunate injury a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, it's an excellent point. I do feel like a lot of people have forgotten about Zuma, despite the fact he's you know had Premier League loans the last two seasons. Um, but yeah, if he can shake his injuries and continue to develop from from where he started, he would obviously be a fantastic player. And it's it's honestly a bummer for me that you're going to have some time to give Christensen minutes because I was kind of hoping at some point he might go elsewhere and then we could steal him in a couple years. <laughs> not, obviously not directly from you because that would be shocking. Um, but uh, he, he's a fantastic young center back and one of the better ones in the Premier League. And I feel like he doesn't really get that kind of um, acclaim and attention uh, from places as he probably should. Um, Definitely. With all um, of- just, just one, just one more thing. I, I, oh. I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to. I'll be kicking myself if I don't mention Reese James. Oh, yeah. um, because Reese James is. <laughs> I mean, when you. T- it's unbelievable when you think about, you know, the names that I've rattled off already, you know, I've been waxing lyrical. You're probably thinking, how many good players can this can can there be out of these guys? How many of these guys can feasibly make the first team? Out of all of them, I'm probably most convinced by Reese James almost, because he's just the guy he went he went on loan to Wigan, right, this season and he he started essentially not in their plans to be in their first team, broke into the team just through, you know, his pure ability and his his desire and kind of the 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 way that he exploded into that team was was insane, and he, he played forty five games for for Wigan and ended up captaining them by the end of the season just because out of a show of respect. And I think that that tells you everything that you need to know about Reese James. And he, um, you know, winning the player of the the academy player of the year over Loftus Cheek um, in the previous season when Loftus Cheek had like a like a twenty five goal scoring season. That uh, no, sorry, not Loftus Cheek, Hudson Odoi. Sorry, over Hudson Odoi in the academy last last year the year mm. before last year which is gotcha. yeah I'm, I'm really excited about him yeah certainly no dearth of young talent at the club and now as we keep saying finally it looks like they're going to get a chance as a result of all of this kind of player and squad news and this kind of promotion of youth with a manager that was just a year under his belt at the championship level um i understand that Lampard will probably get a much longer leash both because of his history at the club and because of the situation the club are currently in uh, than most managers you've had in the past. Uh, what I'm curious, though, is to hear if there is an unacceptable level of performance this year. Like, if you finished, you know, outside of the top 10, got knocked out of every cup, is is there a minimum bar that needs to be cleared? Or do you think that Abramovich understands that with this hire, with the situation the club's in at the moment, that just whatever happens this year happens this year, you get all these minutes for these young players and that you'll just continue to grow and improve from there? Uh you know, I, I think I think that it is important to to obviously keep perspective. Like we said, you know, we're we're dealing with a in a period of Chelsea's history that's kind of unprecedented. We're we're charting new territory, and I think that we do have to be patient. But at the same time, there does have to be that expectation. You know, it is we are talking about Chelsea Football Club here. We can't we can't we simply cannot have a season like we had under Mourinho, <laughs> where we finished eleventh. That, that can't happen. I, I do think that despite you know the the trust that is there and I do think it genuinely is there they have a there is a genuine trust between the between Abramovich and the directors and Maria and Lampard I do think that if we did finish outside the top six I think that that would be pushing the boundaries because just because simply I don't think Lampard will expect any less of himself either I think he's a he's the kind of guy that that will be pushing and I don't think he will I don't think he'd want the excuse. I think that if he finished outside the top six, I think that he would simply say that he didn't do a good enough job. And, you know, whether or not that means a sacking, I think that only 
the circumstances of of the positioning and you know of the results maybe we got un, maybe we got unlucky in a few games you know we lost some games that we shouldn't have lost i think that it really comes down to context are lampard's methods um contributing to the side you know are we seeing genuine development in the squad um are we using players in the right positions you know how are the fans feeling about the situation i think all these things come into effect um though i do think that like i said i think lampard will be setting himself high targets and i think he'll be wanting to get in the top four and i think that'll be for me that'll feel like success in this kind of turbulent season to make the top four um but i think that no less than top six will be just just expected from everyone and um i think that it'd be kind of silly for us to to accept less than top six if that makes sense Mm. but but probably not in his dismissal like you're saying like if young players are getting their chances and like things like an experience or what's costing you, then maybe he'd be given, you know, a, a little bit more leeway with both the fans and the ownership. Right. It'd feel like he'd probably be, to- be told from the, from the upper people, you know, this was a disappointing season. It wasn't what we asked for, but can you improve on it next season? What is your plan to, to kick on next season? Now that we have transfers in available, you know, like maybe, maybe there's just a hesitation in how much they back him the year after that sort of thing. But um, yeah. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Well, it'll certainly be a fascinating year uh, and even remainder of the summer from Chelsea, uh, which I'm sure we'll get back to. But that'll do it for us today. Uh, So why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Yeah, uh, like Kevin said at the start of the show, you can find me at at Mr. Stephen James on Twitter. And yeah, pretty much uh, all my writings can be found there. So (laughs) yeah, just look that up. Awesome. Well, Stephen, thanks for taking the time out. Best of luck for, like we said, the rest of the summer and what's going to be a very weird and probably fascinating (laughs) season. Uh, And I'm sure we'll speak soon. Thanks, Kevin. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.